When's the last time we did a pod with facial expressions? Uh, last time we were in the same place? Yeah, I mean, for uh, before the Stag Bowl. I guess it's not that long ago in podcast time. It just seems forever ago in COVID time. Yeah, and I'm sure we look at each other during the actual game broadcast and make funny faces. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, usually I am making funny faces at myself because I've just said something stupid or misidentified a guy who's 80 yards downfield at night through tinted windows, say. Yeah, there's nothing like waiting for the other person to stop talking so you can correct yourself. And then the moment passes and then you're like, should I even correct myself at this point? Probably, yes, but now it's going to be awkward to bring it up. Those, those are always fun. Yeah, so having the camera on is going to be great. I'll try not to grimace while you're continuing to uh, go on and on about something. And look, to our listeners, they'll, they'll know no better. It'll be just like every other time. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan. You've tuned into the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Two guys and lots of guests talking about the news in NCAA Division III football. I'm Pat Coleman, the guy in charge of D3Football.com, and my co-host, Keith McMillan, has been a part of this site since 1999, and this is where Keith tells us more about that. Yeah, well, every day, Pat, the, is another day I get older and further from that one time I had four interceptions in a game against your alma mater. That uh, that pays so many dividends. Uh, I'm sure I've accomplished other things in life, but uh, but it never hurts to have that one. Oh, you actually have the issue of Cardinal Football Digest. I have it right here on my desk. I think I had it for a couple of podcasts ago. Um, you're mentioned in the second paragraph, so I did do my job. Uh, Yellow Jacket cornerback Keith McMillan picked off four of them himself, setting a Randolph-Macon record. I don't even say new Randolph-Macon record. It's like I was a copy editor already in 1996. Wow, that's impressive. So anyway, yeah, I'm the the ex-player sidekick to Pat, the publisher, editor and publisher, executive. You have so many titles, man. What do we do with you? I don't know, man. I, you, you can probably dropkick me rather than sidekick me most times. So uh, feel free to do that. As we are here in week 33 of the longest offseason of our lives, can't tell you when it'll end, can't tell you how it'll end, can't promise any actual games will get played this fall, uh, not a single one, can't promise, but a few schools are still trying, and uh, we'll talk with one of them here in the course of this podcast. So yeah, Keith and fans, this podcast recording is taking place in the middle of Division One FBS, coming to the same realization that D3 came to a few weeks ago. By the time you hear this, things may have progressed, come to their natural conclusion, but it is literally still happening as we speak. Saw tweets about the Conference USA not not, uh, not making a decision yet while we were setting up this podcast. I don't know, Keith. It's like, is it cathartic to see D1 conferences, presidents, and fans go down the same road that we just went down a few weeks ago? Well, you know I tend not to use D1 as a standard by which to judge the D3 experience, but to say most of us saw the inevitable long ago would be an understatement. Then again, we aren't trying to preserve millions of dollars in gate receipts and TV deals either, so we can do what's best for our individual campuses, and we didn't necessarily have to wait till mid-August to do it. It's hard to believe, though, that it is mid-August and we'd be putting out kickoff soon and players would be reporting to camp and we'd have released a top 25 and our preseason All-Americans by now. And we'd be planning travel for all the great non-conference games in September. None of that has taken place and it doesn't even feel like football season. It feels like the 23rd straight week of June 
And it wasn't until I read the script, Pat, that I saw you made a similar <laughs> joke earlier, but I'm leaving this one in. Uh, you know, Division three football games might not be as far off into the future as they feel, but even when they arrive at this point, there'll be a scattered mismatch of half seasons and half measures or no games at all. And it's no one's fault, really. Everyone's trying to avoid the ultimate tragedy and we'll never know if this was all worth it. We can only use our common sense. Meantime, we step back and finally understand what a fall without football feels like. Got a cross! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh my gosh, no! Come on, no, no! That old June week of September when the freshly cut grass smell doesn't waft through the air. I don't believe it. And your car backseat doesn't smell like the sweaty pads you wear under your uniform. I'm sick, I wanna throw up. And that person you haven't seen since last fall at a game and you always look forward to seeing, well, you get the picture. I think people listening to this podcast probably knew we script out some of this. We don't script it all out. But uh, yeah, usually like the big points, uh, the big rants or whatever is, is a little bit more than bullet points. And, and I think it, it uh, stands to be said more than uh, more than once. It has been a, a long offseason. It's going to continue. Uh, I told every coach that I talked to for this podcast that uh, if they do actually end up playing a game, please let me know. I will get in a car and drive. I might even consider... Staying in a hotel, spending a night in a hotel uh, just to go out to see a game. If that means that in order to see Adrian play Trine, I drive to Adrian. If they do that, you know, like September 26th, whatever. If they play that game, I'm going to do my best to get there. Let's uh, let's just put it that way. I, I really want to see, and we talked about this, I think, previously, right? And I definitely uh, mentioned it in uh, my column i guess it might be story on d3sports.com about what's next after things finally uh formally got canceled about a week ago that uh, i still expect to see you know schools play games at some point in the 2020 2021 season and even if we only play our arch rival or a couple of games so everybody gets a home game or something along those lines that would be great. The magic number that everybody's trying to stay below is five games, five games or fewer. If you play five games or fewer, then uh, student athletes do not get charged with a year of eligibility. And that is a key number that you'll hear come up a bunch of times over the course of this podcast. But uh, Keith, if this were a, if that were what a spring looked like, if there were a spring, if there were a spring football season, I think we even talked about this on the last pod, right? That was uh you know, that had uh, Randolph-Macon and Hampton-Sydney in front of, I don't know, 250 fans and everybody else is watching online uh, a game played on April 24th or something like that. I assume you would probably still be up for that. Yeah, it's weird because part of those rivalry games on a small campus or at a small college is like it's it's the extra bonus homecoming it's the one time you see people that you haven't seen sometimes in years, not just since that particular game last year. And, you know, you and I have been to the Moan and Bell and Amherst Williams and Cortica Jug and all the other different games that take outsize, um, you know, proportion of a season. And so to not go to that game is a big deal, um, but to not have it is even a bigger deal. So, so who knows, um, what any of these schools will do, but yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to play one, you know, you play the arch rival Pat, if you're going to go to a game, you need to get you a, a D three branded mask. It's like the least you can, you should have a stack of them 
really are ready on your desk and just be passing them out to anybody you come in contact with. Well, you're wearing a mask. Oh, no, it's just they're terribly comfortable. I think everyone will be wearing them in the future. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where the funding comes to do that. But if I go to, you know, that final Johnny Tommy game where it ends not with a bang in U.S. Bank Stadium, but with a whimper in, uh, in um, you know, I guess this is uh, at Clemens Stadium in front of, again, 250 fans in April. And then St. Thomas is off to the Pioneer Football League and D1 uh, non-scholarship football and D1 everything else next year. Just what a strange way that that would uh, that itself would also end. I mean, everything about this is strange. There's no previous season that's prepared us or any of the student athletes or the coaches for what this season is going to be like. And I think the closer we get to these traditional weeks where you're used to being at a certain place or you're used to being on campus, um, those of us who who do this somewhat obsessively have certain weeks of November or October, or in our case, uh, the Stag Bowl, you know, I don't even do my Christmas shopping until after we get back from the Stag Bowl. People think that's crazy, but I just can't multitask, (laughs) (laughs) really. Um, As these weeks start to happen, you know, whether it's the first week of September or the the second week of November or or any week in between, where you're used to being somewhere on a Saturday and you're not at that place, I think that's where the D3 fans are really going to get a little discombobulated. But but we all are because everything is happening so fast. You can't uh, really process it or plan for it. Yeah. And this is how quickly this situation is moving. When we started recording interviews uh, for this particular podcast on Monday, August 10th, that's like 48 hours ago, all three of our coaches were in charge of teams, which were playing football this fall by the next day. Uh, one was told that his fall football season was over and another had to admit that they could not get it done. Those are kind of related. And then with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 pushing off their fall sports to the spring during the time we were recording, who knows if we will even have that one remaining team playing games as the fall progresses. But uh, this month we are joined by Jim Deere. He's the head coach at Adrian. His team one of the handful still hoping to play as of the time that I speak this on the evening of August 12th. You'll want to hear how they are keeping their players safe, plus some ideas about who they intend to play. Yes, Trine in their conference is also on the record as saying they will compete in fall sports, so obviously you can expect an Adrian Trine game, but who else? There are some teams on the list that Adrian might be able to compete against. We also talked to Simpson coach Matt Jeter until Tuesday. It was believed that the American Rivers Conference was playing football, but the conference presidents ended up walking back that previous decision. He'll talk about that decision. He'll talk about the student-athletes who are left in limbo, not to mention what it'll take to get the storm back to the level they were at when Jeter played for this team back in the late 90s, including that uh, 1997 season in which Simpson went to the national semifinals and played at Mount Union. And then we wrap it up with Northwestern coach Matt Moore, whose program was, was scheduled to play games until the ARC went away for the fall. Uh, we literally recorded that interview on Monday, and then the ARC, the bottom fell out of that. The schedule went away on the morning of the 11th. Uh, coach Moore was uh, very gracious to give us an entire second interview on uh, Tuesday after that all happened. So you'll hear the second version, and you'll kind of hear us joke about, well, if we had talked yesterday, that's why. So uh, just keep in mind, those are the three interviews we have coming up. We'll also take a question from you guys on Twitter, and we'll be back with more in just a moment. 
I'd like to take this time to mention that the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, one, not going away, two, currently sponsored by nobody. You could be reaching an audience full of decision makers in Division Three football, coaches who need new equipment and have all sorts of time now to deal with those sorts of things. You would not expect that they were going to be making these sort of uh, shopping decisions or purchasing decisions in August, in September, but that could happen now. Uh, they can influence decisions to replace turf. Honestly, I mean, if you're selling gear for social distancing or testing or whatever there's an audience right now for those sorts of things right here listening to the d3football.com around the nation podcast keith and i would take this time to wax poetic about your product or service here so think about it and uh, drop me an email at pat.coleman at d3sports.com we had more than 4,500 listens downloads to our last podcast that was a july podcast for goodness sake um People are still here. People are still listening. People are listening to this podcast. So this is an opportunity for you to reach those people. Now on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, we're joined by Jim Deere, the head coach at Adrian College. Adrian is one of now just a very small handful. I don't even know if we have a full hand of, uh, of Division three schools planning on playing football here in the fall. Uh, Jim, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us because you're someone who actually has a, an active football camp going. Yeah, as, as far as things go right now, um, we've got kids that are reported to campus uh, this week, and uh, we've done two rounds of testing. So that's uh, kind of a thing. It's putting it together. You know, you got a plan, but you always have to adjust, uh, you know, on the fly a little bit uh, things change but so far things look good i know the politics of this stuff happens you know a couple pay grades above you know the the heads of people like you or me but i thought it very interesting that the the, the miaa could not agree uh you know in a you know in a whole as a whole body with what to do with their fall sports uh, Adrian and Trine as football schools, Calvin also as a school without football in the conference, uh, electing to go forward with sports here in the fall. And I know athletics is super important at Adrian just by the fact that there are literally five club ice hockey teams. There's a club baseball team and an intercollegiate baseball team. Uh, I have to expect that, you know, being able to bring kids into campus and having athletes have a you know, some form of experience in the fall was very important for not just the athletic department, but the school as a whole. Yeah, our president uh, is, is very committed to athletics. He believes it's an integral part of, you know, any education, uh, especially here at Adrian College. And, you know, we kind of follow his lead and uh, he's built this thing kind of from the ground up when he got here in 05. Uh, we got all brand new facilities, uh, multiple athletic teams added left and right. Uh, I think rugby will be starting at Adrian College probably in 2021, but uh, he's done a great job and uh, he doesn't back down from a challenge, that's for sure. So what are the challenges that you guys are facing now with having the student athletes in? What's the testing like? What is the protocol? How are, you know, you guys making sure that you can continue to keep the program running this fall? Yeah, and that's, you know, that was the big thing when you start talking about Division three schools. How are you going to fund testing and, and try to do this thing properly? It takes, you know, a little bit of creativity and a little bit of planning. And uh, we were able to secure funding for testing. So we've already tested twice since we've been on campus. Um, and we reported 
August 4th, 5th, and 6th. Our last round of testing was uh, the 10th, and our results are turning around in about two days. And we're recording this on the 11th for people, just so you know the perspective. And where we stand, like the, the 11th was the day in which the American Rivers Conference decided that they were going to backtrack on their plans to play football in the fall. The 11th is the day in which we were still expecting to hear something from the Big Ten, for example, about whether they would go in, and two uh, Division One A FBS conferences have, have uh, called off football for the fall. But you guys are going forward. So what does the schedule look like? I mean, obviously, Trine is, uh, is, is, is in this with you guys. So I don't know if there's a – is there a Trine home and home in the fall? And then are there other schools uh, within driving distance that you guys have on the, uh, on the slate this year? Well, that's exactly what we got to do, Pat. Just like you said, uh, the last point, driving distance. We're not going to do any overnight trips. Yeah. Um, we're going to try to secure four to five football games in the fall and then still have the option to play in the spring, uh, provided that our conference gets together and decides to at least play for an MIAA championship. Uh, then we'll have the opportunity to do that as well. But uh, right now, obviously, trying is on our schedule. Um, looks like uh, we're going to kind of talk with some NAIA schools. Uh, we've got about three or four different options out there. Uh, a few Indiana schools, a couple of Division three schools that still plan on playing football in the fall. But it's kind of like a work in progress. Uh, you know, I wouldn't imagine we'll get a finalized schedule here probably the next couple weeks. But there's a few that we've been talking to. We're just trying to get to that magic number. But obviously, yes, we do plan on playing trying. Well, and I think if you're talking about other schools in Indiana, I know that like the Heartland Conference is in a, in a situation where the conference is called off conference play, but individual schools can make their own choices, right? Is that my, I think I'm, I have to go back that, to my roots now. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty close to what it is. And we've been in contact with a few Heartland schools, um, especially, you know, they're being, they're close to Adrian. So it makes travel sense and, uh, you know, there's a few uh, other NAI schools in the state of Michigan that we might play if they continue to play football this fall as well. If the, I mean, obviously, again, this is a decision that's not going to be made by you, right? But if the Big Ten comes out and says, you know, that they're not going and then, you know, maybe the rest of the other uh, Power Five conferences eventually fall, you guys are going to be uh, sitting out there on an island, maybe the only college football being played in a lot of, you know, across all sorts of places. Sure, and uh, I've got a few friends uh, around the profession that I've talked to, and a couple of them call me all the time, and we were talking the other day. I go, yeah, wouldn't that be something if we're the only school in Michigan to end up playing football this year? He says, well, get ready, because everybody's going to want to talk to you. <laughs> well, we appreciate uh, getting your time right here in uh, mid-August before uh, your, uh, your, your dance card fills up. Okay. Um, so what is the, what does the program look like this year? Did you have guys who, you know, decided that they weren't going to come back to campus for, you know, academic, well, academic reasons or safety reasons, or, you know, you know, guys who might opt out because uh, it's not a full experience. What does it look like what you've got back right now? Yeah. And that's, you know, those things are going to happen and we knew and we kind of had an idea, but uh, We've had a few players that have opted out, and that's fine. You know, we could leave it entirely up to them. We just want to be able to provide any student athlete that comes to Adrian College a quality experience in the fall. And that's what it's about is putting together a quality experience in the fall and doing it the right way, following all the guidelines. And obviously, that's an important step. If you can, you know, fund that 
And it all comes down to funding. And we know how Division Three athletics operates. But if you can fund that and still provide a safe environment and then obviously create an experience for these student athletes in the fall, uh, you've got something pretty special. And, and I would think, too, that, you know, anybody who can get in uh, actual games as part of their 114 days in the 2020-2021 academic calendar sets themselves up uh, pretty well for the fall of 2021, right? You know, I would agree. Uh, we were talking about it. We might, you know, we might have four or five games in, and then if we decide uh, we have to make a decision in the spring, are we going to continue to play? And if, uh, you know, like I said, if the MIAA decides to play in the spring, and just play like a league schedule, we're going to be able to do that. Now, obviously, it cost our guys a year eligibility, but if they have an opportunity to play for a league championship, I think that uh, they would want to do it. So uh, it would give us a leg up, that's for sure. Um, you guys, you know, when you took over the program, and it might, if I remember correctly, that might be 2010, something like that, right? I've been to the playoffs a couple years. Now I've been, you know, in a situation where I think the MIAA has gotten better, like the the surgence of trying, the resurgence of hope makes things really difficult, uh, you know, for other schools in the conference. What do you guys need to do to kind of get back up to the top whenever a, an actual MIAA schedule takes place? Yeah, you're absolutely right. When you start talking about the parity of the league, it's gotten, I mean, there's, there's probably six, seven teams that legitimately start to look at that have uh, aspirations of being able to win a league title. I shouldn't uh, have, I shouldn't have left out all of that because they won a title in that. Yep. And uh, you know, that's, that's one of those things where you've got to have retention. You got to start to become a senior and junior laden team. And we're getting to that point again. Uh, you know, we have our junior class right now is as big as a junior class I think we've ever had. We don't have a ton of seniors this year, but that junior and sophomore class are really big. So the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot of guys that have started since they were freshmen, and now they're going to move into their junior and senior years. And then at some point, you may have a crunch when uh, another set of freshmen comes in and maybe not all of your uh, seniors go on to graduate or, or go on to use their eligibility, right? Yeah, that could happen, you know, and that's one of the situations that you kind of look at during this crisis is what kids decide to do with their eligibility. And uh, we're fortunate we don't have any fifth-year seniors. Uh, we've got a, about probably 12, 13 seniors on our team that would be in their last year of school. Probably half of those we're planning on taking an extra semester anyway, so they would be fine. It'd just be that other half that would make a decision. And, you know, that's up to them. I'm never going to pressure anybody. I mean, obviously, we want to get them out of school with as little debt as possible, and I don't want them to incur any more debt uh, just to play football. So, um, but we're in a pretty good spot with our seniors right now. Obviously, uh, that junior class would be one that would have to make a decision down the road if they wanted to maintain their extra year of eligibility and then come back, I guess, the fall of 2022. Looking ahead to 2022 already, but yeah, totally understood. Um, all right, so if you guys, uh, or when you guys get on the field this fall, what does uh, and what does the schedule look like? You talked about you know who it might be, but what uh, what dates are we looking at when you guys might uh, get out there? Yeah, we're we're gonna try maybe to get one in September, and then obviously the, the balance of the schedule will be in October. Um, probably be done before the 1st of November, and uh, obviously it'll be a little abbreviated, but 
we're right now we're just kind of trying to get things organized it's just it's an it's an organizational nightmare if you think of it like that at this point because we're here trying to keep kids safe everything's got to be organized we haven't even moved into any type of practice phase yet so still a pretty full football program, 158 student-athletes, but lots of questions here. Maybe not many answers. Maybe Adrian will indeed be one of the few schools playing college football games this fall. One thing is for sure, though, I mean, Adrian as a school, very athletics-dependent. They have 65 to 70% of their student body involved in athletics of some sort, uh, by some estimates anyway. And if the fall student-athletes didn't come back, they would be in a world of hurt there. So at the start of the interview, I have to admit, I was listening to it with the idea that trying to play this fall might be a fool's errand. But when Coach Deer gets to the point of having to provide a quality experience for the kids who do show up this fall to campus, it changed for me the way I was hearing it. With the testing in place, it does seem like this is something that Adrian can pull off. The question is why? Why would you want to try to play an abbreviated season against a slate of opponents where we're not even sure sure yet who they are at this point? doing that in the fall, and then try to play another season in the spring. On one hand, is it worth the risk for such an incomplete experience? Or will you look back at it as a season unlike any other, memorable in ways that other ones couldn't be, and completely worth the trouble? Given that the alternative is being on campus, doing not much else but studying, maybe going to parties and passing coronavirus back and forth that way, maybe the best thing to do is to be in a football program where you are frequently getting tested and you're putting your free time to good use. Playing seems at once an act of selfishness, like really, can we not put our sports down for one year, but also an act of spreading the good the game always spreads, structure, camaraderie when it's really needed, the chance to make the most out of unfavorable looking situations. Maybe the access to testing in a team structure saves someone or at least forces a possibly reckless college kid into making wise decisions because he wants to preserve the chance to play. You could really talk yourself into seeing this either way, which is part of what makes it all so perplexing. I was really interested in when he was talking about the possibility of, you know, playing however many games there are in the fall and then coming back in the spring if the MIAA does so. I mean, he admitted, and we talked about it, right, that you burn a year of eligibility. And I I use the term burn here because, you know, you are playing for a conference championship that could be handed out, but not a chance to proceed in postseason play because all of that has been, uh, you know, summarily dismissed by the Division Three presidents. It makes you wonder, too, like what any of this is for. Like we have these certain lines that we've drawn. The line must be drawn here, this far, no farther. As competitors or as people who who follow D3 for years and know the history of it, to, to say like your conference really matters, right? It just really matters to the people within the conference and they're your rivals and they're the ones who um, I can confirm that 20 years later, you'll still be talking with your friends about uh, about the games. Quick aside, uh, Randolph Macon isn't having uh, games this fall, so they've been running these um, team of the decades for basketball, and then they started doing for football. Uh, the athletic department is just sending out like the best. I think they're going to do like a Sweet 16 bracket of the best games. So it got it got me and my friends talking about the best games from our years. So I mean, ne- that's how important these conference games are. Is these are the ones that you will remember. These are the championships that mean something to you, and then. There, I think there are rivalry games within that for a lot of schools. And then beyond that is the playoffs. And then for a, a certain level of schools where you start talking about um, Mountain Union and Mary Harden Baylor and, and UW-Whitewater and the, the MIAC and, and you know, maybe your, a few others, your Linfields and your Wesleys, um, those schools have 
the, the playoffs to look forward to. They almost, you know, every year um, can, can expect that. And so th- that is the benchmark for them. But I, I think it, it just makes you wonder when is it enough to count as official? How far should you push your team to go? Like maybe just the 114 days of practice is, is worth, worth being back on campus. Is that, is it worth going through all the trouble to, to come back if you're a person who's on the fence just for that? What if you play uh, one game and, or you, you do inner squad scrimmages, like, is that enough for you? Uh, is, is your reason for playing for the exercise, for being around people, for the growth, for pushing your body and your mentality farther than it's ever been pushed? Every kid now and every coach has to make the decision whether this untraditional, non-traditional season is worth the time and effort it's going to take to put into it. And Deer did mention that a couple of his uh, players opted out, and I would suspect that that's happening elsewhere around Division Three. Now on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, joined by Matt Jeter. Matt entering his fifth season as the head coach at his alma mater, Simpson College in Indianola, Iowa. You know, we really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's been kind of a roller coaster of, you know, just are you or are you not playing here over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks? So we definitely appreciate you taking the time to chat about it. Yeah, Pat, thanks for having me. Really appreciate, appreciate you guys reaching out to me. Yeah, no problem. Obviously been very interesting in the American Rivers Conference. And, and you know, we say it, you know, we'll probably say it for another year or two for people who are not super familiar with the fact that this is the former Iowa Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. Uh, you know, you guys in a position where the uh, presidents of the schools in the conference went forward a couple of weeks ago and said, yeah, we are going to continue to play our fall schedule in some way, shape or form. Uh, and then, you know, literally today, the day we're recording this, which is Tuesday, August 11th, uh, you know, backtracking and saying, yeah, we are going to push football and some of the other uh, high contact sports off until the spring. What has it been like kind of going through this, you know, I guess preparing for things and then now having to prepare for something new entirely? Yeah, Pat, it's been it's been difficult. I think uh, here at Simpson, we've always we kind of operated as if we were always playing so we always had plan A, but then we had plan B, C, and D, just in case anything happened. And as you looked around the country, you know, things were falling like dominoes the last couple of weeks or the last week. Um, but I felt really as a conference with the coaches in our conference, uh, even the President's Council as of maybe last week, that I felt that we had the protocols and procedures in place to uh, make this happen. And uh, if you look around at the state of Iowa, we just finished up state baseball and state softball here in our state. And uh, I felt that, uh, or we felt as a, as a coaching staff and uh, our other colleagues in the conference that we could make this happen. And, uh, you know, and then we get the, um, you know, the news this morning at eight o'clock from our president that uh, we, we're going to decide to postpone. Um, what you talked about uh, having procedures and protocols in place, what were those sort of things entail? What did you, what, what was the uh, plan that they thought was going to work? Yeah, well, each, each school had actually each school had their own procedures and in, in, uh, in place for for COVID nineteen based on the CDC guidelines. Uh, things that we've been doing here for the last two weeks, we've been doing uh, Moodle online where guys been, you know, the temperature checks, the you know, shortness of breath, cough, all those things. We're doing that for the last ten weeks, so we've been self quarantining, so to speak, for the last fourteen days before camp. 
Um, and then we just, just things that we had in place, how we are operating here on campus with our temperature checks daily and things that we were doing from a safety precaution, gloves, social distancing, all those things that we were doing. Um, you know, we have guys here this summer, coaching staff and players, we had zero cases of uh, COVID-19 here at Simpson College. And uh, Indianola, if I remember correctly, is like in the suburbs of Des Moines. Is that accurate? Yes, sir. We're just right out of the outskirts of Des Moines, about 15 miles. Gotcha. You know, looking, shaping up to be a, a pretty interesting season for you guys. It had been, uh, I remember you guys played Bethel in non-conference last year. Uh, I was up there for that game, but uh, you guys were going to step that up even further this year and play at Mary Harden Baylor. What is it? What is, how does this kind of throw a wrench into that? Do you guys then move that to 2021 and 2022 or how does that, uh, how, do, how does that like the non-conference? Yeah, we, we actually did. We were, we were uh, on contract to play those guys in 2020 and 2021. And uh, we got with their head coach and uh, their athletic director. And we were able to move that contest to 2021 and 2022. So we'll go down there now in 2021. Mary Harden Bailey will come to our place in 2022. So that worked out. To, well, I have not worked out the details with the Wisconsin Stevens point at this time, but, uh, the Mary Harden Baylor was a big one in our conference. Our guys were fired up to play and go down there and, uh, you know, give a, give a shot at those guys. It is a place that you definitely get, uh, you get fired up just running into that stadium. I think uh, I get I fired up. I get fired up walking into that stadium and I'm in, I'm in my late forties. I guess I have to say that now. Um, so you come back to your alma mater, uh, and you know, this is a, a program that had a, a proud history in the nineties, especially when you were there. Uh, and, uh, you know, made a trip to the national semifinals. If I remember correctly, you were on the team that made that trip to Mount Union in the semifinals. Is that right? I was. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. So what was a, you know, what's it like coming back to the program and knowing that, you know, the school and the program has the potential to be at that level? And then what did you kind of come back into and see that had to be done? Yeah, it, it was, it was, that was a reason I came back. You know, I had a great experience here academically, athletically, and personally, and like you said, was able to play uh, uh, for two back-to-back -back conference championships and then play in the semifinals in 97 and lose out to Mount Union, the eventual national champion. Uh, so coming back, you know, I'm, you know, optimism was sky high. You know, I thought we can get this thing uh, turned around. And uh, we've made some growth at, uh, still got a long ways to go. But I think, you know, uh, coming in as a first-year head coach, maybe a little, I don't, don't want to say cockiness, but naive, you know, coming into your first job, like, hey, it's going to be like, 96 and 97 when I played here we're going to get back to it but uh, when you come back and you sit in the head coach's chair you start to peel back some of the layers and things that are going on at the program you find out you know hey you know we you know we have scrapped this and scrapped that and really start to rebuild this thing from the bottom up and uh, that's what we're doing here right now to get our program relevant in the conference again. I mean, last year, five and five, but the year before that, seven and three, right? You can see kind of where the arc of growth, you know, that's a curve that was going in the positive direction for you guys. Yeah, yeah we, you know, I think, uh, yeah, we took a big step in my third year and actually we were probably 20 seconds away from winning our first conference championships, championship here since actually my senior year in 97. And I think this year, um, I think going with that whole, uh, that whole process, Pat, was just learning how to really embrace um, winning and, and getting better too. And that was something that um, we have to learn to do too as a program. And, and uh, we were in a lot of games, but we lost some games that we probably shouldn't have, shouldn't have lost either. But that's part of the growth mindset that we're going through here at Simpson College too. 
How do you plan now to use your 114 days of football contact with your guys over the course of the fall and the spring? Yeah, that's a great question. I think from our conference perspective right now, we're, we're on hold. So uh, we're waiting from, uh, you know, we, um, some schools have kids in and we don't to the 15th. So we are not able to hold any practices until the NCAA lets us know how, how we can proceed with, with the testing and whatnot before we can actually have our 114 day practices. So um, I just spoke to the kids on Zoom and told them, the kids that are coming in on the 15th, that, uh, you know, you come in when class start on the 22nd, and hopefully we'll have a better plan to start to utilize our 114 days to get ready for um, hopefully what may or may not be a spring contest. Right. And like, a, are you expecting, and I'm, this may be too far out, right, or it may be too new, but are you expecting to be able to play four or five games in the spring? You're hoping to play one or two? What are you, what are you looking at, do you think? Yeah. Based on our coaches' conversation, we were, we were looking to play five games this fall. So kind of moving forward to spring, um, I'm thinking that's going to be our same, you know, our same philosophy moving forward because I, I think as a coaching uh, our uh, American Rivers coaches, we wanted to or at least keep those, co keep those five games base so we can get that year back and play a, a full schedule in, in the fall. I think that was our understanding, but um, things may or may not change. And then back to something you alluded to a moment ago. Uh, I mean, the fact that you were planning on having student athletes come in, you know, four days from now, and now it's pushed out to a week later. Now, I think most of your roster is pretty much Iowa-based and probably driving to campus, so maybe that's not a big deal. But do you have guys who already, you know, had travel plans and are, you know, have, uh, you know, needing to change them or anything along those lines? Yeah, we, we've had a few. We've actually in, uh, increased our recruiting base a little bit to Arizona and Texas and California. So um, we've changed the date three times, Pat. So, so I've been moving it around a little bit. Uh, but uh, the guys that are coming out of state, if they've got plane set and travel and hotel, as an institution, we're going to let those guys come in if they need to be on the 15th and not cause any more stress to, to them or their families. And if you're close by in the state of Iowa, you know, you're driving distance, then hey, you guys can come in and report on the 22nd. And we'll take care of these guys here on the 15th. What does the classroom stuff look like for Simpson here in the fall? Is it uh, in classroom? Is it hybrid? Is it online? What is it? Uh, what's it going to set up like? That's great. Uh, Simpson is doing both. We're doing a little bit of both uh, in class, and we also have some online classes too as well. Uh, but we're, uh, you know, we're we're going to be full capacity come uh, August 24th. Or, but each. Actually, each professor kind of has their own way of doing some things, but we, it's going to be like 50-50 in the class and 50-50 uh, online. Uh, you're the first coach I'm going to ask this to, over, and we've talked to several coaches in, uh, in Corona time, but, you know, now you guys are facing, you know, the fact that, you know, kids are not going to use a year of eligibility this year, and I think that's going to be true across all of Division Three. So you'll probably have a bunch of seniors, uh, hopefully we're making some, uh, arrangements to stick around and come back in the fall of 2021. You've got this year's freshmen. You've got next year's freshmen. And uh, what does that what does that look like then for the fall of 2021? Thinking things are going to be pretty crowded. Yeah, I think it's going to be. You know, uh, our main focus right now is really with those uh, the seniors, like you said, and and with us at Division Three, Pat, um, as well as you know. I mean, you know. I have a number of kids that are seniors that I've already got graduate assistants lined up. They got jobs lined up, which is to me a totally dyna different dynamic than maybe another institution. And I'm not, you know, throwing any school. That's just where we are. You know, our guys are already, they're, 
thinking ahead two and three years ahead. So to get these guys to pause their life and come back and, you know, spend money to come play the game that they love, you know, it's, uh, that's kind of our challenge right now. And, uh, but um, we're, we're having those conversations with our upperclassmen and seniors right now about, you know, the steps to take as far as, okay, this class is open offered this fall. You could push the class to 2021 and still be on, on schedule to graduate in December of 2021. So those are conversations that we're having. Um, a lot of the kids that I've talked to, Pat, um, some of the, the juniors and sophomores are like, hey, coach, I'm in. I'll be back. So they are looking at, I got two years left or three years left to play. And that's, uh, that's encouraging to us that they're, that they're invested and want to and finish their career here. You talk about the money. I'd have to expect that there are guys on your, in your senior class who might then now choose to take the fall off and save that, A, that semester of, of uh, tuition, for lack of a better term, right? And then, uh, and then come back and, and take fall 2020 in fall 2021 instead. Yeah, there, there's been some of that. Um, but our, our, we've been encouraging the guys to stay in classes, stay in school. And, um, and we'll work with them if they need to come back for that fifth year. Uh, some schools in our conference um, have, have thrown out blanket uh, things where they're going to take care of uh, tuition and, uh, and, and, and those type of things. Um, uh, we have not yet, but I think that's definitely a, a, a place that we're going to go. So that's Wartburg that uh, Coach Jeter is uh, referencing, the one offering a free semester of future tuition to anybody who attends this fall. But uh, let's get back to Simpson. Yeah, my main takeaway here is simply how can anyone plan for anything? One day you have a football season and the next you don't. And as Coach Jeter alluded to, this isn't just guys planning to stay home one more week and try to figure out how to get some extra hours in at work to stay busy. This is guys making decisions that affect the next year or two or three of their lives. And Coach Deer and Coach Jeter pointed out the very uniquely D3 problem of having to pay for the extra semester of school. And do you want to do that for five games or 114 practices or zero games? What if you've already paid and now you have no games? Nobody's whole reason for going to school should be athletics, but this is quite a disruption to your career. For all the programs out there, too, that are building something like a Simpson, and, and we're looking at 2020 as a breakout year, now it's possibly a lost year. It's as if the entire program broke a collarbone, and maybe it'll heal up and they'll be back by the end of season, but probably they're going to miss the whole year, and it's just a mess. I mean, Simpson coaches can't outplan or outwork or outcoach any team that has more talent now. This doesn't level the playing field, but it certainly takes away the advantage any well-run program had over one that's not so well-run. Because the best laid plans, as we're learning, get reset to square one unexpectedly. Respect to the players and coaches soldiering on through 2020. Yeah, I think of North Central getting 114 days of football now to figure out its quarterback situation or Mount Union getting 114 days to get truly acclimated to new coach Jeff Dart or Jeff Dart getting acclimated to being a head coach. Uh, if those uh, programs get a couple of games under their belt, you know, without a championship on the line uh, to kind of get their legs underneath them, they have a chance to enter 2021 whatever that looks like, with a lot fewer question marks. I know this reference is mostly before our time, but if you think back to the NFL strike season in 87, the teams that did the best during the strike had a huge leg up when the players came back to rosters. Every school has an opportunity right now to make the best of these 114 days and get ahead for the 2021 season. That is certainly a unique way of looking at it, but I think everybody is assuming fall 21 will look like fall 2019 
And I don't know that anyone can guarantee that. It would be weird if an invisible bully kept us from ever playing college football the way we used to, but I don't think we know what's going to happen beyond these 114 days any more than we know what's going to happen during them. Every day is a Texas Hold'em flop, a, a see what's behind door three, a choose your own adventure where someone else does the choosing. Survey said. On the D3Football.com podcast, we're joined by Matt Moore, the head coach at the University of Northwestern outside St. Paul, Minnesota, headed into his fourth season as a head coach, whether that is this fall or next spring or the fall after that, perhaps yet to be determined. But uh, one of the uh, handful of schools that is still uh, on the record is hoping to play football here in the fall. Coach, I appreciate you joining us. Oh, thanks. Good to be here. You know, it is a situation in which the UMAC at the end of July said that they were not going to sponsor uh, fall conference play or conference games, but that individual schools were, uh, you know, able to do so if they felt the uh, need or if they felt that they could do so safely. Uh, and uh, you guys are one of the schools that is taking them up on that. Yeah, we, we've been pursuing a fall schedule and, and really um, – up until kind of the last minute, almost until today, that's that's been our goal. Where we've been trying, we've been trying to find five games, trying to find um, fall. You know, we've had a fall schedule set um, that we had teams lined up, and that's you know, again, I, I think we all know we continue to lose teams, and at this point, I don't know that there's that many that could uh, that could do what is being asked by the NCAA to kind of to be able to compete and play some football games. Yeah, we talked earlier with this podcast uh, with Matt Jeter, the head coach at Simpson. You know, if we had had this conversation yesterday, I should say we're having this conversation on Tuesday, August 11th, about 25 minutes after the Big Ten finally announced that it was uh, not uh, sponsoring its fall sports. Um, you know, we could have thought that you guys would be able to play some ARC teams as of this morning, you know, the ARC announced that they are not going to do uh, these, uh, you know, the fall high contact sports in the fall. So where does that leave you guys in terms of trying to put a schedule together and find those four or five games? Yeah, I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't know that there's any teams out there to play at this point. Um, at, at least, uh, you know, I think there might be a couple left in Michigan. I'm not sure where they stand yet, but again, that's too far. To, you know, we can't do overnights and do things like that. We, we were blessed where we had um, some games set up with the ARC. We are going to be able to play some teams. Again, proximity allowed us to, to maybe be able to do those games. Um, it doesn't look like that's going to come through. We've, you know, so, so we're kind of, um, we're kind of, we're kind of just waiting around. We were, we were waiting around with that. I should say waiting around for some decisions to be made, um, which kind of puts us into that. We, we won't be playing a fall schedule competitively at this point. I think also the NCAA has come out with some interpretations on what they put out last week, um, trying to find out what kind of testing is required or if it's actually required, um, to Division Three teams, I know that was a big impact on the American Rivers Conference as well. Um, what the NCAA wanted us to be able to do, even without championships, and I think they've come forward and said, no. In order to do any type of competition, you have to do this specific testing, this specific amount of times, um, which is just really difficult for a Division Three school to be able to do for a number of reasons. 
Is it possible to do it, you know, for a game or two? I mean, obviously, we've talked about, you know, the fact that there probably aren't any D3 schools within driving distance. You know, there are a couple in Michigan, uh, and uh, Jim Deere and Adrian said that they are talking to some schools uh, in the Heartland Conference that have not yet given up non-conference play. But that's like, you know, that's Indiana and Ohio. Even if you met halfway uh, in, uh, you know, tried to set up a field somewhere in, I don't know, southern Wisconsin or something like that. I'm not sure. It would be a big – I think there's an opportunity there. You know, really what it comes down to is you have to find a private tester to be able to do it because the test takes five to seven days, but you're required to do it 72 hours prior to a contest. Well, that math doesn't add up right there. So you need to find somebody privately in order to be able to do the testing, um, which I think we, we might be able to have access to that. But again, for us, it's okay. Now there's no, there's no competitors around to be able to do that with. So, you know, it starts to, it's diminishing returns when we start to look at what we can do. And then you, you want to put something together that's quality. You don't want to just slap something together for your, for your student athletes. You want them to have a great experience. You know, a bad experience isn't necessarily a good thing to do. So let's make it quality in what we're going to do. And I'm not, and, and at this point, we just can't pr- provide that for them. I would imagine that uh, you guys probably got a lot of positive reaction from your student athletes and from your alumni and that sort of thing when it was first announced and when Northwestern said, yeah, we're going to continue, go forward and play. Uh, and I don't know, you know, is that, you know, if that um, optimism can be carried through at this point. Yeah. You know, I would, I would tell you, I had nothing but positive, whether it was from alumni whether it was from current players, from parents of, of players, um, it was support across the board. I, I was fortunate. I'm sure there's people out there, but um, I was blessed that everybody I was in contact with or that was connecting with me, it was, yeah, let's do this. We're happy that you're doing this. We're proud of what you're doing um, with this. I think there's momentum there with that, and you know, which is neat to see. Um, and now it just comes down to what, what's our – you know, like I tell our players, all we can do is react to what's going and then make the best out of the opportunity we have. Well, at this point, we have an opportunity to get together. You know, we're still checking in in, in uh, five days. The players are still coming in. We have a chance to get together, to practice a little bit, um, to do some team building, relationship-driven stuff, which is what we're about, um, and get better at football. You know, we can get in the weight room and get better at football and see what spring's going to be and react to that when we can. You know, I would have to think that, uh, you know, uh, unlike maybe some other schools in your conference and certainly a lot of other schools across the nation, you know, Northwestern is, is in a position where, you know, as a school with a religious uh, faith-based niche that is uh, draws kids from all over the place, that maybe Northwestern didn't need to have fall sports in, uh, you know, in full force in order to stay open, where I think some other schools might. Yeah, you know, certainly we're blessed and, and we draw, you know, being a faith-based institution, the, the men and women who choose to come here, they're, they're coming here for, you know, not just for athletics. It's not just for even academics. It's for what the overall experience is going to be as a student athlete here. Um, but, uh, you know, the athletics is a part of it as well. And so while we're kind of blessed where most students are going to choose to come here anyhow, we are a school that's having face-to-face um, schooling as, you know, for this fall. It's face-to-face in classes. I think we're, we're doing some hybrid situations in class, which I think, to be honest, is going to bless us in the future from athletics where things are being live streamed, they're being recorded, stuff like that. So it's going to give us some opportunity when we're on a bus for a kid to still be in class. Um, so that's kind of neat. But there are guys, you know, they, they come, they're student athletes, they want to participate in athletics. And so um, I think I've had a lot of conversations with guys today about 
what they plan to do kind of for the future as far as, hey, I still want to keep that eligibility. I want to be able to use that. Hey, I'm going to save some credits. I'd like to come back and play my senior year. Those, those are things that we're having right now because, you know, the reality is you don't get to play football forever. And so they want to get a chance to do that. No. And I would have to think too, that if you have the opportunity to save a semester's worth of tuition, pretty much anywhere at the division three level, uh, that there might be an opportunity to do that in this semester. Are you you hearing from guys who are, you know, going to take this semester off and, and kind of hold those, hold those credits or hold that money? I've had, you know, I've had a conversation with a couple guys and I think, um, who just know that that's a, this is an opportunity where you might be able to do that, where even going part-time and, and, and being able to work right now versus they might not be able to work in a fall. Um, a lot of guys typically will carry jobs in the spring. And so, you know, obviously if we're going to have spring football, they're not going to be working in the spring. And so now it becomes a hey, coach. I think I might work in the fall here. Um, what is practice going to look like? Do you have any idea what that's going to be? Or frankly, Hey coach, you know, I've only got one year left of school. I'm going to take this semester off so that it kicks me into next fall, I'm going to work full time and start making some money, which, you know, again, it's just case by case and what guy, where guys are at with things. Ideally in the spring, what do you, what do you hope that the spring looks like in terms of, you know, who you get to play and, and that sort of thing? Yeah. You know, I I'm, I'm excited about spring and I'm a little leery about spring. I kind of go both ways. Um, I'm excited because at the division three level, we've never truly had a real spring ball. You know, we can't pad up. You can't compete even 11 on 11 versus each other. There's a lot of rules. Well, with this 114 days that the NCAA is allowing us to kind of use how we would like to use, we can have a true spring ball now. Where we can pad up. We can go live. You know, we can have a scrimmage. I do think it'd be great um, to be able to play some other teams. You know, I was really excited about playing some American River Conference teams. I'm hoping maybe that might still be in the books where we can play some. You know, hopefully some of our conference teams will be available. We haven't had that conversation yet. Same deal. Um, play some conference schools and then maybe stay under that five game limit still so that they don't use their eligibility on the year. That's kind of our goal. Was there, has there been talk about, you know, uh, would the uh, would the remaining UMAC schools get together, kind of split into divisions and then play like a championship game? You could get that done in a five game schedule. I think a lot of conferences are looking at that. Yeah, I, there's been a little bit of talk. I think, uh, you know, I think some of it is let's, I think there's some schools that are waiting to find out what does it look like. Um, but we have had some talk about, hey, we, we've got seven, you know, schools that are going to be available, eight schools that might be available. We have some in the south, some in the north. Do we want to go divisional? Again, we don't know what travel is going to look like then. You know, there's so many unknowns. You know, what's travel going to look like? Do we need to stay near each other and then maybe meet halfway for a championship? Do we have a a North and a South and those champions. So we've talked a little bit as coaches. I think the big part is number one, everyone's open with conversation right now. You know, everything's on the table because we understand it's for the good of the team and for the athletes. Um, And so we want to do what's best for them. And number two, you know, it's just having, trying to figure out conversations and and say, let's, let's find this out as as we can. And we know it's going to, it'll probably change tomorrow. You never know. It certainly could change tomorrow. Who certainly knows it changed since yesterday. Uh, honest question is in the spring, is St. Scholastica a, a member of your football conference or would they align with the MIAC? You know, I, I don't know. I think the honest answer is I think they would align with us this spring. I, at least the conversations right now is that they'd be looking at that. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know where they're at as far as even conversations with the MIAC and the scheduling right now. So again, those are all things, you know, when you figure out who's going to play, how are they going to play, 
how many can you play? You know, you're up in Duluth, you got four feet of snow on your field. You know, what are you doing versus you're in Southern Illinois and you've got green grass, you know, so there's, you know, even regionally what teams are going to be able to do. We're blessed. We have a beautiful facility um, that's, that's kept, you know, clear of snow. Every time snowfall hits, it's plowed off. And so we're able to get on that in a pretty early time. So, but not everybody has that when, you know, there's still what 35 schools in the country playing on grass. So who knows? Quality. There's that word again, a quality experience. Schools and football programs are really wrestling with that right now. Can they provide that? And if they can't, then what? So much that Coach Moore said was fascinating. We'd have loved back in the 90s to leave on road trips earlier and do classes from the bus. But I'd love to discuss what he mentioned about private testing. It does sort of lead me to believe that as much as players could be putting themselves in danger by playing a high contact sport, it's also one of the safest places they can be getting tested so often and getting their results back so fast. And the NCAA and the colleges are trying what they can to figure out how to keep on keeping on. We know to some degree what the schools are trying to accomplish, but we should also acknowledge what they're trying to prevent. Pat, you and I have been around long enough to know how a program is affected when a player dies. Wabash, Linfield, there are others we could name over the years. You know, so imagine your school doesn't take these measures and somebody that didn't have to get sick does. Maybe it's a player. Maybe it's the older guy or the immunocompromised person who hangs around your program as the unofficial mascot. What an impossible position to be in in trying to prevent something that you'll never get credit for preventing. And yet you're also preventing people from doing what they normally do at this time of year, every year in a sport where the careers are already fleeting. Uh, I should say, if you want to know a little bit more about uh, Northwestern program as a whole, uh, you can go back to podcast number 192. Uh, he's a, a repeat guest from that. It was uh, February of 2018. Uh, you can learn about them as a program, as a school, and uh, also their ties to the traditions of the late Frosty Western. When you said to coach more, would the UMAC schools get together? It gave me this weird flash thought in my brain. Remember UMAC Dome Day at the Hubert H. Humphrey Metro Dome? Oh, yeah. What if they did the NBA bubble with the UMAC schools and everyone moves to one campus and plays football for five weeks, like games every day on a six day rotation? Okay, this doesn't really make any sense, but you got to admit the NBA and the NHL with their bubbles are doing it well right now. Can't argue with that. Uh, you kind of blown my mind there. I, I don't even know what to do with that, except to say that I don't know where the money would come for testing for uh, some of these. Some of these schools, man, are just run on a shoestring, and the athletic department is like just the little aglet on the end of the shoestring. Now's the time on Sprockets where we dance. Now's the time of the podcast where we dive into Twitter. We know you still have questions. <laughs> Who doesn't have questions? We don't have answers. All we have are questions. So uh, when we uh, do have a uh, podcast recording session set up, we'll throw that reminder out up on Twitter to uh, hit us up so that uh, Keith and I, when we're sitting here in our cozy podcast booth, Frankly, our basements, right? That's where every podcast is recorded. Uh, we'll have a question for you. And uh, the question du jour is from John Jake Gaming, which is at John Jake Gaming. How to spend my time knowing that college football may not be happening this year? Yeah, I can say that for sure uh, my yard is going to be the best it's ever been in the fall in the last 25 years. And uh, I'm... I'm in really good shape because I've got lots of time to be in really good shape. 
I don't, uh, what, what are your suggestions? What do you think people should be doing? Well, if, if you planted a garden, which is what I did that to kind of get out of the house, but not go anywhere back in the, uh, in the spring, then you've got like dozens of zucchini and cucumbers and all these things coming in that you don't know what to do with. So I, I learned how to uh, pickle. Oh yeah. Um, by the way, if you want, well, you won't be coming by anytime soon, but if, no. if you were, and if we were going to do a, our annual kickoff, I'd, I'd give you a, a mason jar uh, full of pickles. Um, I mean, there are, I think everybody at this point has figured out what they can and can't do uh, locally. You know, probably you've seen every, every park that you haven't been to in uh, within a 20 mile radius of your house. Uh, I feel like everybody hikes now. Um, cause you just, you need an excuse to get out of the house, you know, here in Virginia, when stores open back up, even though they have the, the face covering mandate, it was like, um, every, like, great, we'll go, you know, and honestly, I don't even go to the mall. I stay away from Walmart. It's, it's at the crowd, way too much crowd. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been kind of shopping at offbeat places. Like instead of, instead of Home Depot, you go to the hardware store that kind of thing. So I, I feel like that's one way to use your time to kind of find the things around your town and around your state that you don't, um, you've either always wanted to get to and you haven't been able to, or, um, you know, just find the local hidden gems. You talk to your, your, your friends and, um, yeah. you know, whether it's like a brewery or, um, like a park or, or some kind of something that you can go and support and watch, um, things with patios. Man, I mean, yeah, outdoors is great, but but he and the question is about the fall too. So you're gonna have to think about how to move yourself back inside. And we all had a lot of practice with that in March and April. Um, so you know, get your friends together, play some online poker. Uh, people were doing Zoom happy hours at one point. You know, pour your drinks by yourself. You still uh, chatting chatting with your friends, catching up on uh, on old times, um, while you don't have to leave your house. The commutes are great. The, uh, the gas bill is way down. I haven't spent any money on these toll hot lanes in like six months. But there are some uh, some slight benefits to uh, to not having to go anywhere. Sports are back, TV sports. Um, so there's always that. Watch, uh, watch, but it's, watch your Major League Baseball. Watch your – save your NFL games. Watch – you can watch all 15 NFL games, I guess, you know, just uh, one a day, one a day. That doesn't work. I don't, I, mean. I don't think the NFL is going to get very far. That's my personal opinion. Um, that's a, that's I, another whole podcast. People are going to say you're a pessimist, Keith. Uh, realist. I would like to, I'd like to, I mean, I want the, I think my favorite team is actually going to be pretty good this year. So, um, or, but, but I've kind of punted on the idea of, of there being a, a normal year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what all of us have done with our normal D3 schedules. Again, most people dedicated enough to listen to this podcast are either participants, uh, parents, ex-players, and all of us kind of build the fall around being certain places on certain Saturdays yeah. um, or at least tuning in and, and watching online. You know, a lot of us have, have popped open the laptop, gone to that D3football.com scoreboard page, scroll over to find the audio link. You and I have been traveling on Saturdays and, you know, being able to listen to games, being able to jump from game to game to game and kind of like either watch your whole conference or watch the, the national top 25, um, we're going to miss all that. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll miss running into people. We'll miss the food and the, and the, uh, the tailgating. It, it's going to be weird. 
but we'll get through it. It'll be weird. I think one thing that schools will probably do this fall, we saw some of it in the spring, is kind of restream classic games. Uh, you know, I would suspect that, you know, if I were Mary Harden Baylor, for example, I've got a, a bunch of pretty good uh, high quality broadcasts that we've done over the course of the last uh, handful of years. Um, I could certainly see them putting together a list of games where they put out uh, one a week for 11 weeks in a row and they go on 11 and 0 and you, you watch all of the great, uh, you know, the great uh, Mary Harden Baylor games. I suspect you watch for those on Twitter and, uh, you know, we'll uh, watch for those and retweet them when we're uh, when we're on the Twitter. Pat, you just have, you just may have birthed a, a great idea there. Uh, I know Mount Union uh, earlier in the spring was one of the, I believe it was one of the local cable stations was re-airing yeah. some of the classic Mount Union games. And of course, 13 national championships and then a bunch of years where they made it to the Stag Bowl and, and didn't win just means there are tons of classic games in, in Mount Union history. Yep. Um, even just one school alone, right? You could, you could, you could watch. I sometimes have a hard time getting into games that I know the outcome of. Yeah, me too. But if we did it as like a watch party, where we're counting down our 10 best games of the D3football.com era, or just making notes, go on games from kind of before our time yeah. where you, you know, these guys names, like whether it's like a Jim Ballard or, or Ricky Gales or, or somebody that I knew you, know, you were going to say Ricky Gales. That's, well, because that it's Sim- Simpson on this broadcast, it had to be done. Right. Well, I mean, uh, but you, you're really good at dropping the Ricky Gales reference in all over the I, place. Not just when Simpson's on the pod. I wish, I mean, I wish I knew of another person who had a 389 yard rushing game and uh, we, like, Dante, know, like Dante, Dante Brown, Brown right? Marietta, you got right. it. That's I mean, the, other um, guy. the great Rowan teams, the Augustana teams of the eighties, which would be appropriate uh, given, given uh, Bob Reed's recent passing the Ithaca had a good run late eighties. Um, we really could, I mean, you really could dig up some games if the footage is available right. and kind of have a watch party. And, you know, it might be 20, 50, a hundred people or people to tune in for an hour or a couple minutes just to see, what D3 football was like, but imagine giving a 2020 player or a 2015 grad a look at D3 football in the, in the eighties. You know that, yeah. I mean, it's a complete, you know, wing, wing T offense and, oh, and uh, yep. giant shoulder pads and neck rolls and molded cleats and mm-hmm. uh, guys don't have under armor and, and, you know, you may have a towel flying out of the back of your, uh, oh, yeah. of your, of your pads, but uh yeah, that's it. Maybe a visor every now and there from from like the when when Dion made it cool. But it, it, there actually would be some some benefit to doing that, even if um, even if it were just a chance for us to, to peek in on something that we hadn't seen before. So that was a huge long tangent, but it's like right in our wheelhouse. It could not be any more appropriate for you and I and for the listeners of the ATM. And that was the ATN podcast number 277 released on August 13th, 2020. Thanks for listening and keep an eye out for our continuing coverage throughout this interminable off season. If you like this podcast, please consider rating it in Apple podcasts or Stitcher or Google podcasts or podcast RS, wherever you get your podcast. I'm pretty sure they've got a rating system because that's how they help other football fans find podcasts. You can also leave comments for us on the blog page that this 
podcast lives on. You can reach us to talk more about Division Three football on Twitter using the D3FB hashtag. I'm at D3Football and Keith is at D3Keith. We have a message board devoted to Division Three sports. This is true. Go to D3Boards.com. Now is the time to do this. You have to register. You have to use a real email address because, you know, I mean, we've run a, a forum for 23 years, so we kind of understand the things that you want to do to get out of having a little accountability. The board is better this way because it keeps the spam out. You have to register. That's all I'm saying. You can do that at d3boards.com and you can follow d3football.com on Facebook. The executive producer of the d3football.com Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Our theme music, the music you're hearing now, and a lot of the other music used in this podcast is by DJ Mentos. You can find it at djmentos.com as well as on Spotify. Thanks to our guests, Jim Deere, Matt Jeter, and Matt Moore, as well as sports information directors Patrick Stewart. Zach Newcomer and Jordy Gerking for their time and their assistance on this edition of our show. And of course, thanks to the creator of Around the Nation on D3Football.com and my co-host, Keith McMillan. And number one Ricky Gales fan. Number one Ricky Gales fan. All right, so we have to find a way to get Ricky Gales on the podcast. Ricky Gales is older than I am, I'm right? Is, is That's like late 80s or 91 or something like that? that yeah, and I, I, I believe... There was an Around the Nation year where we started digging back into like trying to reach out to players that were before our time. And I think we, we might have exchanged emails too. So, all right. Well, this could be done. I think he owns restaurants in Iowa now or something. Well, uh, you know, you mentioned that you're pickling things. Uh, you remember that our uh, friend Ryan Tips uh, grows garlic, right? So, get you guys uh, get some d3football.com around the nation pickled garlic thing going. Okay. And scene. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody.